to your class. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Uh, I wanted to share just something real briefly before our speaker comes up. Um, one of the things that, I, that we desire here at One Church, and one of the things that's been on the hearts of, of many of our leaders, is to grow up more leaders who can proclaim the gospel message. And that's one of the things that's really been on my heart lately. Uh, Pete Stover brought the word for us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one of our other elders this morning, maybe you know him, maybe you don't, uh, John Mark Phelps, if you would come and join me here. Uh, and one of the things uh, our desire is, is that we could have more men who could preach the good news. And in doing so, we want to give uh, many of these guys an opportunity to do so. I have uh, literally been able to uh, travel the world with, uh, with John Mark on, on mission trips, and uh, I got to hear him preach under a tree uh, a couple of months ago back in the springtime, but uh, this is his first time to preach here at One Church, all right? And I am, I am excited, I am pumped, he is not nervous at all, uh, but, but, but here, here's the thing, here's why I say that, because I want you guys to be praying that God would move, that God would speak, that God would encourage And it's okay to be a little loud and a little supportive, amen, all right? I want you guys just to be a time of God being glorified. Uh, Before we get started, I want to pray for you, John Mark, that God would just move uh, this morning. Father, we come before you, and Lord, we love you. And God, we are here because of you. God, I want to pray right now, Lord, that you will speak loudly. Lord, that you will speak truth Uh, Through this man, John Mark, God, I pray that you would use him in a mighty way, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would convict us and that you would challenge us with your word. God, I pray, Lord, in this moment, God, that you would humble John Mark, God. Lord, I pray that you would speak through him. Lord, I pray that uh, his word would be of you. So, Father, again, we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. Check, Mike. Mike, check. I'll have to eat this thing. Alrighty. I'm off to a good start. All right. Okay, I'm excited this morning. Get to uh, bring the message that God's been laying on my heart for, I mean, really over the last year. And uh, just... <clears throat> I just want to apologize in advance because I'm kind of used to, I, I work in the children's church most of the time, so just to kind of keep my nerves down, I'm just going to picture you all as the, the children that I'm talking to. So don't get offended if you kind of start picking up hints of that. That's just my wheelhouse right there. But uh, this morning I, was, uh, I want to be talking about transformation and just some of the pitfalls that I've kind of fallen into in my life through transformation and what transformation I thought, what it should look like, and how, you know, sometimes getting discouraged because of just not, not always a godly picture of transformation of how God will tr- wants to transform our lives um, as his disciples. Um, I want to start with a story. It's a story of a farmer and his family. And this farmer grew up on a farm for his whole life. Uh, his dad was a farmer, and he, he grew up on his dad's farm, and he started his own farm. And they... Uh, they had a terrible hailstorm that came through, just demolished most of his crops, messed up his, his roof on his barn and on his house, and put dents all in his truck. 
And so he calls the insurance company, calls them up and says, hey, I've got all this damage. I need you guys to, to reimburse me for it. And they said, all right, just give us weeks, months, I don't know. <laughs> um, but then uh, we'll get it taken care of. So he gets a call several weeks later, and they said, hey, we've got a, we've got a check for you. We just need you to come by our headquarters in the city and just sign some papers, and then we'll cut you a check. So he, he gets his family in the truck, and they head off to the big city, and they haven't really had a reason to go to the city for a long time. And the farmer never has either, really. So he pulls up to this big headquarters for the insurance company, big, tall building, and his, his kids are like, wow, this thing is huge. And his son's like, Dad, can I go in with you? He says, sure, son, come on. Just uh, mind your P's and Q's, and we'll be fine. So they come in, and a receptionist sees them, and he says, well, how can I help you? And he's like, I'm... I need to sign some papers for a claim I made. They're like, okay, well, the elevator's just around the corner there, and uh, you'll be on the fifth floor. And he kind of gives them a look and says, all right, and so he just walks to where she points, and uh, the farmer hasn't really ever used an elevator before, and so he tells his son, he's like, we're just going to kind of see how this goes. And so they stand there for a little bit, and they see an older lady walk by, and she's nicely dressed, and she walks into the elevator, and the doors close, and they just kind of watch it for about 30 seconds or so. And then all of a sudden, the doors open again, and this beautiful young lady that's nicely dressed walks out. The farmer kind of looks, grabs his son, he says, hey, quick, go get your mother. <laughs> kind of a rough joke to start with, but, <laughs> but I, I just always, like, I, I thought the joke was always funny, but... Uh, I kind of saw some, some of the same things that I would think of, of that's how transformation should look, right? That's what I pictured with transformation. You walk in, doors close, doors open, boom, you're automatically something different. You're what you want to be. I feel like I'm... All right, and, uh, and I kind of fell into that, especially like younger, and I've seen I've fallen into those things throughout my lifetime of uh, just thinking differently, you know, seeing... Uh, Dakota get, getting baptized and sometimes having that same thought. You come in the water and uh, you've professed your discipleship, to be a disciple of Christ and you expect to come out and be like, you know, I'm it. I'm, I'm ready to go take on the world. I'm ready to preach with boldness like Peter did or I'm ready to have a heart like David right after being baptized. And sometimes it doesn't work like that. Um, growing up, my pastor growing up, he had a tremendous story of uh, transformation in his life. When he was a young man, he worked in the oil field, um, and he he was a partier. And he was, I mean, he'd admit it, he was an alcoholic, that he drank a lot. And um, and when he he had a calling, he heard the, you know, heard the message of God and of Christ, and what Christ wanted for his life. And he felt that calling in his heart, and he accepted it. And he said, yes, I will. I will change my life and I'll accept Christ. And, you know, his story was that after accepting Christ, he did not even have, like, he no longer had the want for alcohol. He no longer had the temptation of alcohol. I mean, I'm not even really sure, but I don't ever remember him even talking about going with, through withdrawals afterwards. And he drank enough that his body would go with, through withdrawals. But it was just a miraculous type of transformation that God did in his life through his salvation. 
which is, a, I mean, it's a neat story, and those things happen, and I'm sure all of us throughout the church have similar stories, have heard similar stories, or seen those stories in our lives. And one of the pitfalls I kind of fell into was I thought that's how transformation worked, that I, you know, I asked God for something, and I expected God to just, boom, all right, you know, Lord, take this, take this temptation away from me, and expected to wake up the next morning and be like, hey, I no longer want to partake in this sin. Or that, you know, I would have the boldness to go out and see somebody that I don't really know and say, hey, where are you at in life? Can I tell you about Christ? Do you know Christ? And I don't really have that boldness. And I would expect most of us probably don't really have that boldness to go out and to go preach the good news to anybody and everybody we see. Or to have the fruits of the Spirit all the times. Brandon's been talking about the fruits of the Spirit all summer long. And, I mean, that's always conviction, especially, you know, at times when I'm not gentle with my children. And I think, that's not really me showing fruits of the Spirit there. Or losing self-control. Or any of them. And that was one of the things I was like, but I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for years. Why, why am I not transformed? Why am I not demonstrating these, you know, boldness or the fruits of the Spirit. Why haven't I been transformed? And, uh, and I felt like, because sometimes I get caught up in thinking that God should just transform me miraculously like that. Um, one, of the, one of the images that I'd got in my head, mainly because I have a, a four-year-old son, and he loves Transformers. And that's kind of what I thought of. I was like, should be like a Transformer. And if you guys don't know what a transformer is, I have a transformer here. Um, again, I said I'm sorry if I treat you like my, my children's class. Don't be offended. But, uh, I mean, you have a transformer. It just looks like a little car here. And then it transforms, and magically it looks it's something different. Now it's a little robot that has arms and a head and legs, and it's no longer a car. So you know, like, my, my son was kind of distraught when he saw me carrying this out of the house this morning. <laughs> but that was, I mean, that was something that, you know, I, I was thinking, like, God should transform me like that. I should be something different. And what's, what creates the problem is me thinking that God should transform me. Just like I transformed this, you know, this transformer, I did everything, he did nothing. And... There's never going to be any growth with that. That's just God changing me into what I think I should look like and not really what God has me to, like, what his end result wants to look like. And that's kind of, there's, there's a selfishness in that. I realize that. There's no humility in that, that I was wanting what I wanted, what I thought I should look like as a Christian, as a disciple of Christ. And if I'm actually being humble, then... I get to the point saying, God, I, want, I just want to be useful for your kingdom. I want to be a tool for you. How, how do you need to work in me? How do you need to transform me so I can be that tool that you need? <clears throat> and so it kind of sets me up for, you know, it was setting me up for disappointment when I was expecting this miraculous <laughs> transformation. And because then I would get disappointed. I was like, I still don't feel transformed then. I still have the, the desire to do sin. I still struggle with demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit. I still lack boldness. And, that's, and then I start putting that on God. 
and saying, God, why, why aren't you transforming me? But God, I mean, I've, you know, he's grown me, and that growing, God is teaching me that I am transforming you. It's just not how you think it is, how it should look. <clears throat> and uh, so then I kind of like, say, like, well, if it's not a transformer, what, is, what should the healthy, a healthy uh, picture look like? Um, and the more I've talked with people about this, it's been amazing to see a lot of people have given different ideas of what, what they have in their head of, like, of the transformation. And there's a lot of images, and I'll probably end up going through a lot of different images. But the reality is like, transformation is going to be a process. It's going to be a process in our life, and it's going to take work on our half. And God's always putting the work into us. So we don't have to worry about God doing work. God's always doing work. We need to start reciprocating in our relationship with him and doing the work. <clears throat> Find out where I... All right, so I want to look at... Uh, we're going to go to two verses. So we're going to jump to Romans 12, too, if you want to turn there with me. <clears throat> I wasn't nice enough to have Brandon bring it up here, so... We're going to look at two verses that, that talk about transformation in the New Testament. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of touch on all four of them. In the New Testament, there's only four verses that uses the word transformation. Or, I guess, the Greek word. I, I looked up the Greek word that they use for transformation, which is metamorpho. There's two O's, and you have to hit them both. Uh, but both of those they translate into transformation. And there's only used in four verses in the New Testament, but there's two different, two different ways that they are uh, translated into English. So the first one that we're going to look over, Romans 12, 2, which says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So, here, Paul strikes on that we should be transformed, that transformation in your life has to happen. If you're going to call yourself a follower of Christ, it needs to happen. You need to be transformed. And he says here, through the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So the renewing, he talks about, this is kind of a process. Again, that's one of the things I'm continually hitting on, is like there's going to be some kind of process that we constantly need to be in, in touch with the Spirit and with God to be working on that transformation. All right, the other verse we're going to jump to is 2 Corinthians 3.18. <clears throat> and here Paul says that, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is in the Spirit. So again, he's, he's hitting on the process again, that this is an ever-increasing glory. It's constantly increasing in us. And if we want it to be increasing, we can't sit idly by waiting for God to transform us for us. We need to be ever-increasing in our transformation. And, we, <clears throat> and he says that like one of the ways in Romans 2 of a renewing of your mind. And here he says... Uh, he says where it comes from, which comes from the Lord who is in the Spirit. So this is, has to be, it's a spiritual transformation. So one of, the, one of the main images I've used is 
um, is as a disciple. Like, I mean, I, want, I call myself a disciple of Christ. The definition of a disciple is a student that follows a teacher or master. So a disciple literally is just a student. So the relationship between us and Christ should be a student-teacher relationship. And I think that's a much more healthy uh, picture to have in our head of how, how transformation is going to happen. It's going to happen through constant work as a student would. You have to go to school. My son, my uh, four-year-old son, just started school this, this month. Uh, it's been really exciting. And to see him, like, he loves school. Like, he just started a pre-K. And every day he was like, are we ready to go to school? I'm ready. What did you pack me for lunch? And I, I love to see that excitement. I understand it will change as the longer he's in school and it will... It'll be me like, wake up, get dressed, you have to get to, you know, we have to get to school. But right now I'm so excited to see his excitement that he wants to learn and he thinks of all the things he wants to learn. <clears throat> but even at that, I was thinking of some of the pitfalls, even with like a healthy view of a student and a teacher, and how some of the pitfalls I've fallen in, even trying to be a student of Christ. Um, and so I thought of like, you know, his first day of school and the things that he'll learn in pre-K, you know, phonics and working on their letters, um, working towards trying to read, maybe a little bit of math. And I was like, how, how crazy would it be if he walked into his first day of class and his teacher looks at him and he says, all right, kids, we're going to find the hypotenuse of a right triangle today. And all those kids would probably give these blank looks. I'm seeing a few of those from here right now, but... You know, they were like, you're going to, where's a moose? I haven't seen a moose in here yet. <laughs> and, I mean, just the ridiculousness of that, of like asking a four- and five-year-old to do an algebra equation. But at the same time, I've seen in my life, I've wanted to do the same things. I just want to skip the process, and I want to jump to grades. I don't want to be like, hey, God, I want to perform a miracle. I, I read about it happening in the Bible. How come I haven't, like, prayed over somebody, and all of a sudden they're miraculously healed, and they can see or they can walk. These things that I read about, like, how come you're not working me in that way? And, I mean, one of the things I've learned is that's trying to jump. I'm trying to jump grades and skip the whole process. And it's kind of the same thing of expecting God to do it for me, and I can't just skip the process. It's important because even if he did say, okay, I'll, I'll let you do that. But then the reality would fall on me that, again, this is probably for my glory. I just want to feel good about where I'm at with God and not wanting to be used as a tool for God and just say, hey, God, if this is what you'd have me, if you you put it on my spirit to go pray over this person or to do what you wouldn't want me to do. And it just won't won't work well if we're constantly trying to skip the process. Because the process, I mean, that's, that's the important part right there. And the process of what we're doing for transformation. How are we working with God? How are we being as students if we call Christ our teacher? Are we following his teachings? Are we even looking to see what he's teaching us? Or do we find ourselves ignoring him? Or do we find ourselves just trying to jump past it and get to where we want to be at? Uh, um, and then the last pitfall that uh, 
that I wanted to hit on was like when when we fall in like when we see the process like of being transformed being transformed wanting to be transformed and getting discouraged with how difficult the process gets um, I thought of uh, the idea of like trying to get into my Bible uh, this year I've started doing the read the Bible in a year challenge and it has been amazing and I've I've done it before several years ago, and I remember even thinking, like, I've read through the Bible, I've done the Bible in the year thing, why should I need to do it again? And even that, like, that idea that, what am I going to get out of it, reading it again? And in reading it this year, I have gotten more out of it than I have ever gotten before. I've been so amazed and so just impressed of how God has worked through that. And, uh, and to be honest, like, Using like these apps, if uh, if if that's a helpful tool t- for you, I would definitely uh, encourage that to help with, you know, our our spiritual work as students. Um, you know, the the app that I or the what the devotion that I did for the Bible in the year was the uh, oh now I just blanked on it. <laughs> uh, it's the the people that write up the skits on. That like we'll see Brandon use up there. What's the name of that? Not the skits, the Bible project. Yeah, they do the drawings and the illustrations, and they do one from every every book that you start. And so even sometimes when you're thinking like, what is what really is the purpose of Ezra in the Bible here? And they do an amazing amazing job of not only saying like these are the the things that Ezra is talking about and what they're covering and how it relates to the rest of the Old Testament and the Bible as a whole. But also, like, these are the literary, like, things that they use. This is how they break up the chapters, or they break up, you know, like, and I was like, man, that's amazing. And then they do it all in nice uh, illustrations, and they're writing it all, or, like, they're drawing it all out, and I was like, and it's also fun to watch. But it gets you excited. Like, it makes me excited for the process. I start to find joy in the process. I'm like, man, I'm ready to read this book and start picking out the things that these guys are talking about. And it's times like that, it's easy to work towards your transformation. Like when you're finding joy in the process, that, I mean, it just seems easy to be like, I want to get in God's word. But then there are times that we fall into hard times. Like it's, uh, you know, I stayed up too late to watch the Thunder play Sacramento in California. And I like to do my devotions in the morning and it's been a buzzer beater or whatever, so your adrenaline's going, the game doesn't end until 12.30, and you're like, man, I can't go to sleep now because uh, they just couldn't put the game away. <laughs> Surely I'm not the only one that's done this. But the, uh, you know, then when your alarm goes off at 6 in the morning, you're like, yeah, maybe no devotions today, and you want to sleep through it. Like, it happens. I know it happens in my life, and it happens in all of our lives that, we're, you know, the process gets hard. We start fitting, lives are busy, we start fitting more things, and one of the things that we get pushed to the background is our spiritual, uh, our spiritual growth. And, you know, at, at times like that, it's, it's really going to test us. Are we going to continue with our growth, with, with our teacher? <clears throat> um. So another yeah, picture I had for this of, you know, what does it look like if, you know, if we just quit growing then? Because 
what happens is we, we make excuses for one day. Well, I didn't do devotions today, and I didn't make it up the evening, and then it starts adding up, and before you know it, you haven't, you haven't gotten in your Bible in a month, you haven't prayed in several weeks, and then all of a sudden the process of growth and of transformation has just quit. Um, and I pictured kind of along the same lines, if I take my, my four-year-old to school on the first day, if there's an 18-year-old hanging around in the classroom, and be like, hey, are you student teaching today? What's, what's going on here? And he's like, no, I'm in this class. Like, I, uh, you know, shapes just never were my thing, and I never really cared about letters, so I just still kind of hang around here. And then he goes and takes a seat, and we're like, okay, that's ridiculous. And like, there's no 18-year-old that should be a senior that is hanging out in a pre-K class. But it will turn out the same way if we just quit on the process of our spiritual growth. And it's really easy for, like, for us to quit on our spiritual growth. <clears throat> Paul, used, uh, you know, Paul used kind of the same image, and I want to go over that too real quick. So we're going to go to Hebrews 5.11, <clears throat> if you want to read along with me. <clears throat> this, is what, uh, this is the image that Paul uses in talking about the same thing. Uh, He says, we have much to say about this, and he's kind of referring to Christ being our high priest. And he says, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. And you, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So Paul even kind of takes it almost like a one step further of like a grown man uh, and saying, you're an infant. I can't help teach you if you aren't even trying to understand. He says, you no longer try to understand, and so I have to continually teach you the same truths over again. And if you, he's like, you need to take some responsibility of your own spiritual life, your own spiritual growth. Because, you know, and Paul's, you know, Paul's being pretty brutal and pretty honest here and, like, calling people infants. Um, he also is using the same, like, the same picture of a, you know, a teacher and a student. Because the goal, too, for us as students of Christ is to someday be able to step up to the podium and do teaching as well, as we've done, you know, as we've been students of God, and God wants us to be able to have boldness and to teach. And, I mean, as realizing that, that's kind of why I agreed to come up here and stand up and teach, even though I initially wanted to say no. And Brandon was like, hey, you want to preach? Yes. <laughs> but that's the idea. Is, you know, God wants us to, to step up into that role. He'll always be our teacher, and he's never just going to quit teaching us because, you know, teaching will always, will always go on, and like I said, God is always working on us. <clears throat> and <clears throat> All right, so just kind of uh, rehashing the three, like the, three, the, the three pitfalls that I've kind of seen through my life as I've grown in Christ and uh, working on my own spiritual life. It's one of, 
expecting God to do the work for me. We can't expect God to do the work for us. Um, two, we can't skip the process of transformation. The process is going to happen. Um, and the process is important. We can't just skip over it. And then three, we can't give up on the process when things get difficult. Uh, James kind of talks about the process getting difficult in uh, James 1 and verse 2. Where did I have that? All right. He says, uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so James is kind of reiterating there. He's saying the same thing of like, it's going to get tough. The process is going to get tough. But he's saying find joy in it. Find the joy. uh, uh, Whenever you find trials, yeah, find joy in the trials. Because we know that that's that's what will make maturity, and that's what will make transformation out of us when we hit those trials and we continue to do the process, and that's when real growth comes out of it. We keep working on the process, and then when we get through the trials, we can look back and say, man, I made it, and I'm different now because of it. I trust God that much more, and I'm able to be used for God's purpose that much more, and you realize then, like, and it really wasn't that bad, maybe. Like, God saw me through it, And you can find joy now and find peace and rest after making through it, through those trials. And then we're that much stronger. We have perseverance for when the next trials come and for when the next lessons of maturity come. All right, I'm going to ask Jared if he wanted to come up here as I kind of finish with this. So the the idea of things that uh, we we fall into of giving up on our of our transformation, or stepping back from our transformation, of how are things, how should we be working on our transformation? If we are students, what are things that we can do uh, into transforming and working with God? Um, You know, one thing, being around Jared, one of his favorite sayings is, you can never go wrong diving into the Bible. And it's absolutely true. Um, And I've really learned that all year long as I've been diving into the Bible every day. Uh, God has just brought brought his word alive to me in a whole new way and I'm excited when I get up in the morning now to read scripture and I mean I <clears throat> it's God will never go wrong with getting into his word he will always speak to you in his word if we are di- diligently seeking in that prayer is the other state like, these are going to be the two staples of our maturity is reading God's word and praying with God. We have to communicate as well. And God has always worked on me to to pray more. Like even just reading your Bible is not going to be enough. You need to talk to me about what you've learned in the Bible. What you you know, what what are you learning? And then that way I can confirm it. Or maybe I can even say, no, that's not what I was trying to teach you there. And so prayer and prayer and reading your Bible, diving into the Bible, those are always going to be two staples that we need to make part of our spiritual life. You know, I use the uh, you know the image of a student and a teacher because that's something we have to do. That's part of our you know 
our everyday life. We have kids that are in school. We've all gone to school growing up. So we know what that's like. We have a physical image of what a teacher's like. We've all had teachers that we really enjoyed and we will always keep them special in our minds. And it's hard, for, like it's always been hard for me with spiritual things and making those connections of like, it has to be just as, just as important as we make school important for our kids or for our own selves. Even more so, because we're talking about our spiritual being. We're talking about the part of us that won't die, that's going to continue to live past this life. And we can't neglect that part and put it on the back burner for other things that we want to do. <clears throat> uh, small groups was another thing that has really been important in my transformation. Community. God, Jesus talks about community a lot. He makes it, and he made his own community with his 12 disciples that he, that he got together. And he had hundreds of people that called themselves Jesus' disciples when he was here. But he had the 12 that were his personal disciples that he let in as his close community. Um, I think that's something that we can't neglect is small groups are important. If we want to share the trials that we're going with, we need somebody to share it with. And that will help us through the trials, having a community, creating a community. <clears throat> so as I close here in prayer, I just want, I want to give everybody a few seconds, and I want you to pray and ask God, where in your life uh, does he want to grow you and challenge you in your own spiritual growth? You know, I fully believe if we, if we ask God with an open heart, God will answer it. He will, he will answer our call of like, God, where do you want me to grow? Where am I failing in my spiritual growth? He will, he'll open that up to you. When you feel that tightness of like, I don't know if I want to ask that. Don't be afraid. Just go in and uh, make it a priority in our lives. All right, so you bow your heads with me in, uh, in prayer. God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity um, to see how you've worked in my life, to see the, the growth and the transformation that you've brought to me. Um, and I just thank you for continuing to work and transform me to, better, uh, Im- to a better image of Christ, Lord. And I pray for everyone here today, Lord, as well. I just pray that you would put it on their heart, put it on their spirit of where we need to grow, and that we would be open and be willing to take the hard steps that it might take or things that we might need to give up to make room for that spiritual growth. But I know that it's important to you, Lord, and we need to make that importance in our own lives. So I just ask that uh, your spirit would work through all of us this morning, Lord, and that you would keep that on our minds and that you would keep working on us as you were faithful to do, that we would be willing to work and to be true disciples and be true students of you, Lord. In your holy name I pray. Amen. 
One of the uh, one of the things I don't know if, if you're the same way when when you hear something God stirs your heart. Um, and I really want to just like keep preaching. Anybody else with me? Um, but I'm not going to do that this morning. But one of the things that comes to my my mind and my heart is that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Like, like what if we lived our life? What if we believed that? What, would that change how we went to school every day? How we were a student under the teaching of who Jesus is? Would that change your perspective on God's calling in your life? It does for me. I, I'm thinking about when John Mark's talking, I'm, I'm thinking about the pitfalls even in my own life right now. Sometimes I expect God to move in this way or in that way. And Jesus is saying, like, like I've, I've made the way. At some point, you and I have to get up and actually start moving. We do. The church is a movement a movement of God. And if, and if we want to play a role in what God is doing, we must rise up and move. To walk by faith. To keep in step with the Spirit. All of these are action movements. So that's my question for you. How are we doing? Lately, I've, I've, I've struggled. I'm just going to be honest with you. Thank you, John Mark, for bringing that word this morning. Thank you. Can I pray for us one more time? Father God, I know there are some here this morning. Lord, that you are wanting to work in and through their lives. God, I pray that they could could surrender whatever that is in their lives. Lord, I'm I'm thinking of things in my own mind that, that, that take up my time. Lord, that I use as excuses sometimes. And Lord, I am the one missing it. Lord, you never change. And your desire, you are so loving and you are so caring. And you will not give up on us. God, I pray, Lord, that this week would be a week that we pick up our cross and we follow. We take action. We walk. We move. God, use us this week. Transform us this week to be more like you. God, thank you for your word this morning. God, Lord, thank you for the boldness that John Mark had this morning. God, thank you for that. Lord, I needed that word this morning. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.